fear the talking queers. Now that we're all here, the party can begin. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. Happy hey. November. November? What? Like, what the hell? Where the hell did October go? I do have to say, though, that we need to applaud ourselves for our October lineup. I think we we had, we had were so overachieving in October, but we managed to achieve everything that we wanted to with all of our episodes, the Carpenter Queers um, collaboration, <laughs> all of that. I'm like, oh my gosh, we really pulled through in October. We really did. Like, this schedule was tight, and we had things thrown at us left and right, you know, just making it not go as smoothly as possible, but we still managed to get every single thing done in October, and that's a hard month for us. I mean, it was five episodes. We had, there was a wedding that was thrown in the mix, new jobs, school, like... Yeah, there was a lot going on. We even did giveaways. We had to put together merchandise for our store. Can you believe we did, we achieved all of that? Yeah, and two collabs, you know, Carpenter Queens. We not only did one with us, if you haven't listened yet, go listen to our collab on their channel. So, like... We we did the most, but honestly, yes, we deserve a pat on the back because we delivered. I know. You know what? We deserve more than that. We deserve a lot of money from somebody sponsoring us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my God. Somebody out there, please hear well, our cry. <laughs> you know what? I got my first issue of Fangoria magazine since I've subscribed. And it's very it. exciting. The cover of it is Halloween Kills. And I think that they should sponsor us. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. October was a loaded month for home everything, for television, movies, all of it. Just so overwhelmed with how much I needed to watch this October. Like, who... I don't even know, between our busy schedule recording this, how do we even have time to watch anything? Honestly, we just compiled a list of things that we've been watching through October, and we're like, we're so busy. But I'm like, how did we manage to watch (laughs) this much shit during all of this chaos? (laughs) We're like, we're so busy, but here are 20 shows that we were able to watch (laughs) during October. Literally entire seasons of shows. Like, what the hell? (laughs) Literally, but we're so busy. (laughs) But we do want to kind of talk about it, and I'll little October watch recap because we had so many themes going on in October that this wasn't one of them so let's talk about what we've been watching Uh... all right yes all right what do we got okay let's go in alphabetical order so the first thing that I wanted to kind of shout out is the second part of American Horror Story double feature which is titled Death Valley which you can always okay. find on FX. Um, I've, I did not watch the first part, which I think was called... Uh, Red Tide. Red Tide. Um, yes, I did not watch that one. I watched a couple of episodes, and I was like, this isn't interesting me. So I then started the Alien one, Kaya Gerber's in it, who I say have to say is doing a much better She's job. She's much better in that than yes. she is in American Horror Stories. Much but better. But that's also... 
not saying much. <laughs> it's not saying much because the concept is so ridiculous. I don't know that I necessarily like when American Horror Story takes true stories and tries to incorporate them in some large mystery. Like yeah. not, it's not like, Marilyn Monroe getting assa- not Marilyn Monroe and JFK getting assassinated over an alien conspiracy. Oh my god, I know. I mean, yeah. maybe, but I don't know. It sounds a little far fetched. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I only watched maybe the first two episodes of the second half, and I was like, "This is insane." And Girl, ridiculous. once once Lily Rabe showed up as a Miss Amelia Earhart, I was oh like, "Oh my god, this is I outrageous!" Like, yeah, this is insane. I actually really enjoyed Red Tide, and I don't, I don't know. Like, I guess I'll, I'll end up finishing. <laughs> this eventually this part of it but i'm like this is insane thumbs down thumbs uh, down every, every yeah. season just garbage <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yet i still come back every time <laughs> i know just to give it a shot because there still are some little gems of episodes here and right there, but, of course you know overall the storytelling is just disgusting okay so <laughs> moving on <laughs> down the alphabet we're gonna go to something i have not watched i can't wait to hear all about it i was streaming on hbo max batman the long halloween Yes, uh, Batman Long Halloween is just from their animated uh, movie collection. You know, they always release these. Um, And I was like, oh, the Long Halloween, that sounds perfect for October. And it kind of was. Um, You know, there is Halloween in there, so it does technically qualify. But um, one the thing that I liked about it the most, um, even though I'm a big sort of secret comic, not comic book nerd, but like Batman DC nerd, um, was that it's the last performance technically given by Miss Naya Rivera before oh. her passing. And so she plays Catwoman in it. Her voice acting in it is honestly great. I, you know. She has it, a perfect voice for Catwoman. Yeah, she does. I was really impressed because, you know, in my mind, I just think Santana, of course. But like, <laughs> yeah, she actually like delivered like a really great voiceover performance. RIP to her because we love her. So oh. also uh, it's really great if you're into like those DC movies. So thumbs up for me for part one and part two. Awesome. Okay. Moving on ABC Chucky um, uh. <laughs> on sci-fi and the USA network. Um, yes. What are we thinking so far? I'm loving the queer storyline of it all. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Love it. Don Mancini said, I'm going to, incorporate my own little queer story into this which is really fun um it's it, i i keep on describing the show as so cute i'm like that's so funny it I'm just, is but it's cute it's really cute i think that there are some really touching moments between the main character who's named jake because a lot of gay people are named jake um, <laughs> <laughs> um jake and chucky like even when chucky confides in jake that he has a gender fluid um child child yeah and he's like and you're not bothered by that and chucky goes i'm not a monster jake <laughs> <laughs> i'm like this it's is like, great yes. yeah, yeah brilliant brilliant i think the teen cast is super talented i'm like yeah. wow I mean, they're giving performances yeah I, I mean i love seeing the character of sharpay like reinvented <laughs> on screen <laughs> literally but this time being attacked by chucky brilliant yes. brilliant i know yeah no I, i'm really enjoying it so far it's only been two episodes but to me it still sort of has the spirit of um you know child's play and all the chucky movies and i'm really enjoying it i can't wait for miss jennifer tilly to show up 
I know. I'm glad that they brought back some of the tone from like the original set of movies, especially Child's Play like two, but still is keeping up with the campiness of all the sequels that came to follow after that. Right. So totally, I'm, loving, totally. I'm loving the blend of it all. I think it's a nice mixture of everything that Don Mancini has put into this for the past 30 years. Definitely a thumbs up. Thumbs up for sure. Moving on to Shudder, Dragula Season 4. Woo! Of course, as always, Dragula is serving up some, you know, makeshift competition show. (laughs) 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 But they really are inventive, these drag queens on there. Oh my Um, god, yeah. The looks are insane and intricate. It, you know, that's honestly the reason to watch. It's definitely not the production value, but it does blow my mind that the prize money is the same exact amount as Drag Race. I a know. show that's been on for 8 million seasons that has 8 million spin-offs that they're still only competing for $100,000 and now Dragula. No offense is- if you're a big fan, but the production value is not on the same scale on the same level so no. to, for them to be making the same amount of money blows my mind blows my mind they- and honestly every season of Dragula ha- I've watched um, and I do love it I love seeing everything that they create especially because it relates to horror every time obviously <laughs> but I really think that what is lacking here is the Boulay brothers. I think that what they've created as far as their empire has been great. I love how horror-centric it is, but I just don't think that they have the charisma to pull this show past where it is. Yeah, to make it interesting, to draw people in. Like, like that's why they haven't really been able to sort of transcend like RuPaul has, like a household yeah. name yet with this show. Because they are not interesting themselves and they don't have the charisma to draw in audiences every week. I honestly think that some of their, most of their contestants are way more likable and and <laughs> expressive than they are and just better performers yeah. overall. So I think that's what's lacking is the contestants should never be more talented than the hosts. Even though yeah. that's the same for Drag Race too sometimes. Um, so true, 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 true. <laughs> I'm going to give Dragula a thumbs up because I do enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really... I'm not the hugest Dragula fan. I'm sort of new to it. But I'll give it a... Sure, I'll give it a thumbs up. I did enjoy the episode. Okay. And then we have... We're staying on the Shutter app, girl, because we also watched Elvira's very special, special anniversary special. <laughs> um, um, I didn't watch the movies, except for Mistress of the Dark. But I just skipped <laughs> over to the parts where she was narrating. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, like she, she has still got it. Like, she and she looks the goddamn same. <laughs> like, it's truly it unfair. Insane. Yeah, seriously, she is a vampire or something. Because for being in her seventies, that woman looks just the same as she did in her thirties or whatever when she was doing Elvira back in the eighties. And so phenomenal. I'm really enjoying her resurgence. Like her book is out. So I'm going to give Elvira, of course, a thumbs up. She's whole royalty. Two thumbs up for sure. Okay. So here's another thing I did not watch and I can't wait to hear all about it on the Food Network. Halloween baking (laughs) championship. Yes. This is my morning show. Miss Erica, the homies of horror. She gets it. We talk about it. Like it is just low stakes viewing when you wake up in the morning and the air is still crisp and you can just turn on the TV and watch people make baked goods like it's 
Like, that little what, Halloween themed. What's been your favorite thing so far that someone's conjured up on that show? Oh my god, they just did this challenge where they made these cakes, and on top of the cake, I don't know if you ever heard, it's like a tsunami pour, but basically they make a cake, and then they put a little, like, uh container on top of it that they fill with like some sort of liquid and then they lift up the how do I explain it? It has no bottom on it. It has no bottom on this okay. container. I see. So then they pour stuff in it and then they lift up the plastic part and then it oozes all down the side and Ooh. some people made some really cool like there was like one that looked like brains <laughs> that would look so cool like just like you know like the the little yeah. ligaments or whatever in the brain like just like spilling over this cake Oh, but it all Ew. looks so delicious too so double whammy you get creepy kooky and then you also get yummy <laughs> mm. thumbs up it's it's just pure joy mm. okay. it makes me very hungry perfect we'll change the channel over to amc for eli roth's history of horror oh my gosh one of my favorite shows to watch another it's one that so i kind of like to watch i can either watch it in the morning or at night but it's just like the best informative show about all the subgenres of horror. I know we've talked about it, I think, before on the show. Yeah. But uh, it's now well into its third season. Um, so far, the episodes have been about sequels, which is awesome. Um, psychics. Uh, psychics, and then a, like play, like infection or. or uh, plague movies. Like a like apocalyptic and. Um, no. Um, oh, they, that, that's another one like viruses? apocalypse movies yeah like oh. viruses or like infections oh, okay. or something okay. so like you know like wreck and what's the other one contagion and movies like that i know honestly you can treat this show like a history class like if you're into this honestly line, into this line yeah. of work you know <laughs> yeah definitely and you get some amazing celebrity interviews you know i mean shit they just had fucking Kate blanchett on there i'm like uh. what the names are getting Queen. bigger and bigger as the seasons oh, go on. Abs- oh, totally. I mean, Kate Blanchett, Megan Fox, and ugh, you'll never believe this one, Tori Spelling. Ah! <laughs> Talking about Scream 2? Her crucial role in Scream 2 oh, as Sydney Prescott. Oh, thank God. I needed to hear it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. So um, Eli Roth, I have to say, is just what he's doing as far as his documentaries that have been coming out and um, with uh, History of Horror, he's really transcending as a master of horror. So um, yeah, I enjoy him. Horror Daddy, definitely. that's what I call him. Mm, yeah. Oh, Horror I'd, Daddy. I'd, I'd ride that. Um, so yes, thumbs up. My best. Thumbs up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Get educated. Go watch History of Horror. There's so many amazing movies that uh, they explore. Okay, let's put on some Amazon Prime and talk about I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, All right. If what, we about, must. what do you think about this? Okay, I have to say that it's better than I expected it to be. It's true. It is better than I expected, but that's not saying much. But, and, and what I think you and I have talked about in private before was that for me... It's better than I expected, but the things that I thought were going to be better were actually the worst things about it. And the things that I thought were going to be bad were actually the good parts. Like, honestly, I don't think the acting performances are bad. You know, I know we like, you know, like teen show. We think, oh, my God, really shitty acting. No, like these teens actually are pretty teens, quote unquote. They're actually like really decent actors. But um, 
it's just everything else. The show yeah. to me struggles because it's not very fun. No, I think they could have pushed it a little bit further with um, just making it a little bit more fresh, if that makes sense. Like, it doesn't yeah. seem very fresh. Like, you know, when I know what we did last summer, the movie came out and Scream and all that. They were very fresh yeah. additions to the franchise, but the, I mean, to the genre. But this is, it's kind of stale, but I do have to say, I find it to be... I, I wish they would have taken some of the camp and the slaughter from the Scream TV series and applied it to this because I actually think that the concept of this show is much better than the Scream TV series, but yeah. it's just lacking in something. Yeah, to me, it's like all the scene, like the kills, obviously are exciting. Yeah, but everything in between is so drab and so boring. It's like ugh, I don't need to see these two characters having another sad heart to heart about their teen dramas get the keep the story going i don't feel like the storytelling is where it should be to keep me interested past okay. the episodes that they've already released i'm like do i even want to finish this like i, I know. fast forward to the good part and then that's it like i think i will one day when i'm cleaning the house i'll just throw it on and sure. vacuum over the boring parts um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Your house will be spotless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give this, um, I'm going to give it a thumbs up because only because it did surprise me in a good way. Yeah. This is a thumbs down for me. I'm oh, over it. okay. Moving on. Okay. Let's move on to Disney plus where you got to watch uh, the Muppets Haunted Mansion. Oh what my was, God. What was she about girl? Bitch. It is pure joy. Just smiles all across the board. If you are a Disneyland fan and you're a fan of the ride Haunted Mansion, <laughs> it is so nostalgic. And I know me personally, even though I like I worked there for years and years and years with the pandemic and everything, I've been personally aching for a chance to go back to the park. This just like sort of filled that void for me. It was like super fun you there's so many good like callbacks to the ride itself if you know the ride well and also just like some fun celebrity cameos there's darren chris john stamos taraji p henson is in it and just all giving just their campiest silliest best and honestly the writing is so funny like and it's great (laughs) it's less than an hour it's just a little halloween like halloween haunted mansion special that they do but I don't know the Muppets they always have me laughing they're so funny they are. they're so good I love Miss Piggy Miss Piggy as Madame Leota like <laughs> thank god like it's just great so um, if you have a chance and you're looking for something a little more lighthearted, um, check out Muppets Haunted Mansion on Disney Plus oh so you're giving it a thumbs up you said a thumbs up right oh thumbs up thumbs up yeah okay I'll be skipping it so um, let's go <laughs> <laughs> let's go over to um, sci-fi channel who released the remake of Slumber Party Massacre Slumber Party <laughs> <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this as as lackluster as some of the production is and by lackluster I mean low budget as low yeah. budget as this movie is and as you know underwhelming as some of the performances are I really thought that the concept was great and I really appreciated the diversity of the cast and that we had two black final girls and uh, this was really fun I loved it 
Yeah, I, I honestly enjoyed it way more than I expected to. I thought even though it is like, you know, a cheap sort of B movie made for TV, um, I think that having a, like a female director, I think really helped uh, change the narrative of a story like Slumber Party Massacre. Like if we think of how they, <laughs> how those movies from the yesteryear, you know, the gaze specifically was so male oriented. It was just a bunch of sexy women topless usually you know equating the drill weapon to their penises and stuff like that right exactly it was just about men seeing hot naked women bounce around naked and then die Um, and so I think this movie did a great job flipping that on its head and uh, making those the female characters in the story really you know, strong and independent, and then having the male characters being subject to almost like the female gaze, but all, like yes, and I mean, the gays' gaze, and the gays' gaze. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. So, you know, <laughs> the boys is scrumptious. They are um, very hot, and we get to see them in slow motion showering yeah. <laughs> and pillow fighting. Pillow so fighting. I, I enjoyed yeah. that 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 gender role reversal that they did. Yeah, no, I thought, yeah, so that was great. So for a, a dumb TV movie, um, it actually had a little bit of brains. And um, mm, so sense. I, yeah, so I will give that a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Okay, now we have a huge load of shit on Netflix that we watched. Um, one of them being Midnight Mass, which I know you didn't really watch. <laughs> no, I mean, it's on the list, girl, but who? Yeah, it's this one is a slow burn. Um, yeah. Not everything in it is exciting, uh, but I think the overall concept was fairly interesting. But the ending really was rushed, and it kind of cheapened the everything they had built up to that moment a little yeah. bit. Because I'm like, this is the this is the moment, right? The midnight mass, and it just was a little lackluster, and it borrowed from a lot of real life things. And I don't know it. It was kind of American Horror Story-ish in its ending, where it was just kind of like, everything was resolved, but it was just too Too easy. And yeah, too, too easy. easy. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up, because I did appreciate the concept and the religion yeah. sort of uh, commentary. And also, there was, there was some great commentary, and I think that's what intrigued me the most about it. And the performances yeah. were great. So thumbs up. Yeah. Miss Mike Flanagan, she, she's good at what she does, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, and then we had Night Teeth. Ooh, Night Teeth. New vampire movie on Netflix starring Debbie Ryan and uh, some strange cameos by <laughs> Sydney Sweeney and Megan Fox. Who I wish would have at least showed back up in the ending. Spoiler alert. Spo- yeah, so spoiler <laughs> alert. If you're watching this movie for Megan, don't do it because <laughs> she's not in it. Yeah, I actually have to say, though, that I did enjoy this. I enjoyed the movie's soundtrack, of course. Um, I enjoyed um, the performances. I thought it was really fun. Again, it was like Slumber Party Massacre. Uh, just fun, cheap movie uh, made for TV with some yeah. great performances. It was very stylized, which I appreciated always. Yeah. I disagree. I honestly don't think I'd ever watch this again. <laughs> um, I I thought it was fine. It was fine the first watch, but it doesn't really amount to much. It's super predictable. Um, doesn't yeah. really doesn't really have anything new to say or do. And no, there's nothing new to the vampire genre in this. No, no, yeah, exactly. And. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't love it. I was kind of disappointed. I was hoping it'd be better. And 
maybe that would have just needed more Megan Fox in her fabulous uh, hooded her fabulous cloak. cloak. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I need more of that. That would yeah. have made the movie better for me. But in this case, I don't know. It didn't really, didn't really hit for me. I didn't love it. So it's a thumbs down for me. Okay. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I thought it, I thought it, yes, it was a, you know, almost like trying to like bring something back like nostalgic like Fright Night sure. or something yeah. and kind of making it modern um, so I appreciated that but again like you said it didn't bring any it didn't offer anything new but yeah. I'm gonna give it a thumbs up I liked the freshness of it and then the last thing that um, I wanted to mention I don't know if you've started it yet but You Season 3 Ugh, I have not. It's on the list because I do love this show. This trashy, trashy little show. Trashy show. I don't. <laughs> I honestly don't know how it keeps going. Only because we're following Joe still, and I'm like, yes. how the fuck are we still watching this? You know, it's like a guilty pleasure. <laughs> it like, is. I, it is 100 just guilty trash. Guilty but we trash. Love it. trash. Just melodrama out yeah. the ass. I've only seen the first episode so far, to be honest, because I have to take this in doses because it, it the trashy <laughs> storytelling, you have to give it, you have to have breaks in between, but, yeah. um, but so far it's exciting. I'm excited to see where this goes. You know, he and love now have a child. So I'm excited to see what happens and uh, with love and Joe's <laughs> parents, but um, <laughs> I think it's going to be quite thrilling. There are a lot of characters set up in this that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see them die. <laughs> oh so, my god, perfect! <laughs> so it's great. It's turning into a slasher, and I'm here for it. Well, speaking of melodrama, we oh. have arrived at our film this week, a film that divided a community. Honestly, a film so out of its goddamn mind that people were just not, they didn't know what to think of it. Yes. And and we are talking, (laughs) of course, about 2021's James Wan masterpiece, (laughs) Malignant. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Wow. This movie is honestly, I can say this without a doubt, unlike anything I've ever seen. No. Yes. You're very like, right. It's like all and- together. A lot of references to different things, but also yes. A t- a collectively, unlike anything I've ever witnessed on screen. And I think that's what created this divisiveness of the audiences watching. I think everybody went in expecting something. Oh, that, yeah. Which it was, but then it just completely did an entire switch up and yeah i was here for it but not everyone was <laughs> yeah so uh, a little backstory i mean james wan right james wan has really solidified his name in the horror pantheon as the a game changer right like he created the conjuring a movie that totally was a, a cultural reset on the horror genre yeah. All of a sudden making this whole universe of ghost, you know, possession films slash ghost stories, demon possession movies, right? Yeah. Conjuring, Insidious, Annabelle. Annabelle, the nun. R- the nun. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh, I forget her. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, you know, he's created this huge, or is produced all these wonderful movies that people love. Well, wonderful. But um, <laughs> then he gets asked to do Aquaman. Aquaman being, of course, one of the most anticipated superhero films 
you know, to come out and it made a billion dollars, right? So incredibly successful. So James Wan was pretty much handed the opportunity to create any movie he wanted. And this is the movie he created. And it is so batshit crazy that you, for me, I can't help but just fucking love it and buy into it. I bought into this craziness. I I did too. And we'll get into some of the references. But I think for me, it's really the references that took me there. I'm just like... I, I can't wait to dive in so that we can kind of talk about what it triggers for us. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so we have to get into it. This is Malignant. Malignant, released in 2021, directed by James Wan, written by James Wan, Ingrid Bisu, and Akela Cooper. In 1993, Dr. Florence Weaver, played by Jacqueline McKenzie, and her colleagues, Dr. Victor Fields, played by Christian Clemenson, and Dr. John Gregory, played by Amir Abulela, treat a psychiatric patient named Gabriel at Simeon Research Hospital. Dr. Weaver says in a video log that Gabriel is becoming hard to maintain. He has special powers like super strength, controlling electricity, and broadcasting his thoughts via radios and speakers. One night, Gabriel turns violent and kills several staff members of the institution. Dr. Weaver dramatically exclaims, it's time to cut out the cancer. 28 years later, Madison Lake, played by Annabelle Wallace, a pregnant woman living in Seattle, returns home to her husband, Derek Mitchell, played by Jake Abel, after her pregnancy causes her to feel ill at work. Mitchell becomes worried and irritated that Madison is feeling sick as she already has had multiple miscarriages. As they begin to argue, Derek becomes violent and smashes Madison's head against a wall, after which she locks herself in the bedroom and falls asleep. Later, Derek wakes up on the couch to various noises from the kitchen. He finds a mysterious figure in the house which can move very quickly and displays super strength. It is Gabriel. Madison later wakes up to find Derek's body contorted in a painful and violent pose. Gabriel, still being in the house, attacks Madison. She runs back into her room, but Gabriel bursts through the door, causing Madison to fall and hit her head, rendering her unconscious. Ooh, all right. Okay, so honestly, as soon as I put this on, on Miss HBO Max, I knew from this very opening in the Simeon Research Hospital exactly what this movie was going to be. This opening is so campy. And oh my god, this dramatic ass castle, just that first shot of this like <laughs> hospital institution that's like this gothic old t- castle. Got- yeah, gothic <laughs> castle. I was like, oh, that's like our first clue that this movie is going to be different than you expect it to be. Especially if yes. you are like expecting something grounded like insidious or something like that. Like this first shot, you're like, whoa, whoa what kind of like old B movie am I watching? I know. House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, literally. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right. And so then we like get into the hospital and everything just feels like it has like an 80s movie vibe to it. Yes. The acting is so campy. 
the so campy it's very surreal it's hyper realistic it's like yeah very elevated yeah the over the top acting that happens in this moment it's like i don't know it's so it's so bizarre and just cartoonish that you're like oh my god wait this this is not what i thought you know what it reminded me of do you what? remember, like, at Six Flags when they had, like, Dinosphere and, like, those 3D yeah. rides? And before you get into... And probably other amusement parks have this, but they're, like, Yeah, like Jurassic rides. Park, yeah. But before you get in, like, you're waiting in line, they have those videos that play to, like, yeah. introduce you to the story. That's exactly what this felt like. Like, these random <laughs> oh, bad yeah. actors. They're not yeah. bad actors, but they're doing a, a specific type of acting. Yes, they're doing an over-the-top performance yeah to heighten the reality it almost feels like when you're in this hospital scene like you're in the line of some sort of i don't know amusement park ride and it's like eh, eh, like the lights are flashing (laughs) red and you're like you're gonna get on the roller coaster seats and you're part of the you're part of the story yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is definitely that sort of feeling. And the way they're saying the lines, it's like when you're at Universal Studios, you go on the mummy ride and you're yeah. like being yanked into different places, but you hear the lines like, he's over there. Look, yes, help. exactly. <laughs> Did we just talk about this? And we talked about this in Trick or Treat. It was the same thing when they're like going down the elevator. Anyway, yeah. and all the pumpkins are going out. It feels like yes. exact same thing. Yes, very that. Very that. What I noticed about this movie was a, this opening happens, right? Yeah. And it's crazy. It's over the top. And we'll get into more detail about it. But you sort of forget about it for a minute. You forget how bizarre this opening is once you get into, like, Miss Annabelle Wallace's character's story, right? We get our main character. Right. And all of a sudden, it does feel a little more grounded. And you kind of for You're like, maybe what I saw in the beginning wasn't what I thought it was. Like, maybe it's... A fluke. Yeah, fluke, like that this movie started out so bizarre and campy because all of a sudden it kind of does take a little bit of a darker tone and you're like, uh-huh. okay, now now we're, in, we're into the movie. That, that must have been like something I imagined. Yes. Like it was a weird feeling like that. Because her, I mean, her performance does sort of transcend into what the storyline becomes. But yeah. to start off with, she is very grounded in her character at first. Yeah, and I think it is kind of like a trick. Like I think it's set up to be a trick because then also this domestic violence that happens between right. her and Derek is very brutal. Like that head slam is extreme. Oh, my God, it's like, I mean, the hole it leaves in the wall, <laughs> like, is like whoa. The it's sound brutal. it makes, it's like crunch, like, like a crushing. I know. I wonder what the Foley artist uh, yeah. <laughs> did. Smashed a watermelon. Yeah, just threw a, wa- a bowling ball at the wall. Oh like. my god! It, it it sounds like it hurts. Um, and honestly, this is obviously horrifying because any type of domestic violence is just yeah horrific. But I'm like, whoa! But it, yes, it does feel even the talk of like the multiple miscarriages and all of that. But you know what? Right before this, we get the title card sequence. And it's kind of like rifling through papers and pages of her medical mystery, you know, right. pieces yeah. of this hospital. And I was like, we, it's, you know, we don't get these title card sequences are far and few between these days. Yeah, I'm like, what in the early 2000s is this? <laughs> exactly. It's like the music and even the filters that they use and the flashing yeah. images. I was like, is this a callback or a comeback? 
Uh, I mean, I don't know. I hope it's just a callback. I don't think we need those. We I don't, don't need want any more title card sequences. Yeah. No, I don't need that. I don't need you to set to up help. this world by showing me yes. newspaper clippings yes. and pictures yes. of babies with hair lips and like I don't need that. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I don't know. Yes, you're right. Like I get it. Like sort of sets up the tone in the world. It might and, be the like, butterfly effect. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Didn't didn't the hills have eyes have like an opening yes. like this? Yes. Yeah. Atomic bombs and disfigured yes. babies. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I'm like, we don't need all this. I'm Very good. <laughs> but I mean, I, I in this instance, for some reason, it didn't bother me. I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. Like, we haven't seen one of these in forever. Yeah. I, you know, we we do get kind of like three separate openings in this. It's like, okay, the, the very opening, the campy. Then we have this like 2000s title card sequence. Then we have a very grounded scene between this this couple that is experiencing domestic violence. And then we get to this final part of this opening, which is the first kill. And it's with Derek and Gabriel all grown up. And it, this is very much the style of James Wan. And it's almost like he's introducing yeah. us in four sections to what this story is going to be. Oh. And moving forward, everything's just, all of these ideas are blended into one. Right, exactly. It's almost like what Halloween Kills try, like, <laughs> like did, but they did it, I don't think, consciously. Or they, they like just didn't do it well. Where this movie, I think, t- took like uh, several specific kinds of of movies and like put them in a blender. So like we have this opening, right? Like you said, um, very campy, very 80s feeling. By the way, what did you think Gabriel was when you first saw that first clip? It's like kind of uh, behind that screen. You can't really see it. I was like, what is that? A- I was like, is that a raw chicken? I was like, <laughs> it looked, it looked I, like a raw chicken to me. I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is that? I honestly didn't know what to think at first because almost like I didn't know where to look. But yeah. as the story unfolded, I was like, he's her conjoined twin that was removed. Oh, I didn't know that they were still connected, but I, I thought conjoined twin. I don't know what I thought it was. I mean, I thought it was, it didn't click at first. So I was like, what is this like alien raw chicken monster? I did not get it. The abilities that Gabriel displays, this super strength and the ability to control (laughs) electricity and radio waves. I was like, this has to be like an alien of some sort, or maybe like she was an experiment. But as the storytelling went on, I was like conjoined twin. Oh, okay. So you got it. I, I mean, I'll tell you. I'll tell you later when I started catching on. I was like, "Oh, okay," but it's Got not it. for a little bit. Yeah. Um. So that we have that first opening, very campy, very eighties. Then we have this second scene, like you said, um, very early two thousands, uh, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I think, a huge influence on this movie. And then we have that third sequence, which is very soap opera slash melodramatic li- lifetime original movie. Yes, prime time sort of drama. Yeah. Yeah, Uh it it reminds me of something you would watch on Lifetime. A miscarriage, an abusive husband. Right. Um, You know, very very much of that style. Mm -hmm. And then that last, last sequence is very um james wan it's very insidious and yes and it's fashion like the the kitchen and the living room and looking 
from the living room through the dining room into the kitchen you know like james wan obviously he he first of all he loves his houses like he loves to be in the house and show you a point of view way over here but you're looking down the hallway or over here and so in reintroducing his style of horror um which I think was what the, a lot of the trailer consisted of, and that's why people went into this with a mindset of, this is going to be the next, like, The Conjuring, Insidious. This is yeah. going to be the next franchise that I can't wait to jump into, but it's not that. And um, <laughs> But the shots where you're looking into multiple rooms and things are very signature James Wan, so he's reintroducing his style to the horror audiences, and, like, I love this opening sequence. But I kind of wish that they showed a little bit more. I wanted to see how Derek ended up in that contorted position. Oh my god, his his neck all in a... All twisted. Ew! Twist the neck and bend the back or whatever. <laughs> it's just a cop, it's a matter like a mystic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to see more um, kills. I think overall throughout the... I mean, we get there, What? But, oh, so I, are you kidding me? So... We, do we, get, we get there, but I feel like for this this person in particular because we don't know a lot of the characters that die later on but this one we get to know as this abusive asshole right. so I think it would have been gratifying to the audience to watch him suffer and die right but well I mean it, it, it does make sense that he goes first though if you like in retrospect or like watching it for a second time you're like oh well obviously he would go first considering who Gabriel is and is attached to <laughs> Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, the, he's using part of her brain, too, right. um, to pull this off. So, yes, I mean, I love all of this. I do think that there's maybe some kind of silly buildup with Derek's kill, just because, like, it's, like, the blender, and you think, ooh, is that some foreshadowing? Yeah. But then his actual death ends up kind of being lackluster. <laughs> so I'm like... Right, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think, it, it, I think it was just easing us in for, like, you know. And it almost mm-hmm. gave the again as somebody who went in not knowing really anything about this i was like is this a ghost is it like the ghost of gabriel i don't know like yes. i i wasn't exactly sure what to expect and i was like oh this is like a ghost kill that's what it felt like yeah because i kind of understand it was like lights out or something how, yes because i do understand that you know why they're trying to keep him as dimly lit as possible yeah in this opening scenes to not give away too much of you know his body and and you know positions but i looked like the ring or something or the grudge like just a cgi shadow i'm like eh. uh, i wasn't too into that but you know i yeah but again i love all these sections of this intro um and then i love when they get all blended together mostly but i like that he's easing us into what this is gonna be yeah totally totally and then we, we are sort of introduced to this idea, right, of Madison is, like, experiencing these, like, weird things in her mind, um, which happens several th- times throughout the movie. And then, so, like, watching it back for the second time, you're like, oh, I see. These are things I didn't understand at first. I was like, what is kind of happening here? Like, how is she witnessing these things? She's, like, witnessing the murders, but also not. And you like sort of don't understand how it's possible until you get to the end and yeah. like watching it back. You're, you can, this is definitely, like a, a, I think you need to see it twice kind of movie. Cause you're like, Oh, I see. Like these are this moment of her being like trapped in the house and like, you know, yes. things like that. Uh, you come to find out are all in her, all in her mind. 
and uh I don't know. I like it's more satisfying the second time watching it. Like, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. She's trapped in her own mind. I did like that. The next morning, Madison wakes up in a hospital and is informed by her sister, amusement park princess and TV actress Sydney, played by Maddie Hassan, that her unborn baby didn't survive the attack. Sydney also learns that Madison has had multiple miscarriages. Detective Kakoa Shaw, played by George Young, and his partner Regina Moss, played by Michelle Brianna White, investigate Derek's body and find that the killer's handprints are distorted, almost as if he were hanging from the ceiling when he attacked. Detective Moss explains neighbors informed her of Derek's abuse, and there is no sign of forced entry. She hypothesizes that Madison killed Derek. Madison returns home. She looks outside into the foggy night and sees Gabriel's figure. She runs through the house to make sure all the doors are locked. When one of the locked doors opens on its own, she runs to hide in her bedroom. Madison decided to drill boards over her windows and also install deadbolts onto her doors. Sydney visits and Madison confides to her that Derek was abusive. She explains that she wanted to leave him, but then got pregnant. Madison also says that her pregnancy was important to her because she wanted to know what it would be like to have a blood relative. Much to Sydney's surprise, Madison reveals she is adopted. <gasps> Dramatic music accompanies Sydney's shocked reaction. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> I love this. First of all, Maddie Hassan as uh, S- I Sydney. I oh my gosh, <laughs> where's she been I, since where, we saw the darkness? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I, I think that if you go back and listen to our episode on We Summon the Darkness, we obviously praise Maddie Hassan for her performance in that. So it was very nice to see her back. I think she's so adorable. And yes. her performances are just great. And she <laughs> rocked that Casey Becker wig like nobody's uh, business. Honestly, that's exactly the vibe she's giving me. And then they said her <laughs> name was Sydney. I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, she's. Uh, I really like her, and I really enjoy seeing her more and more. She's gaining a little bit of scream queen, you know, yes. status. You know, she, she might have to rack up a few more, but um, we could see her doing that. I'd be down. Yes, yes, and I love that she's an amusement park princess. Like, why? Oh <laughs> my god, it is so hilarious and just her amazing. walking in with this dress on. Yes, yeah. So there's like this, like really. Again, melodramatic, you know, hospital scene that's going because Miss Madison ends up in the hospital. And then her sister shows up in this ball gown, this princess ball gown. <laughs> and you're like, what is this choice? Like to make her that. But it's for some reason to me, it, like, I thought it was funny. Well, I think you find it relatable because you too, you were a Disney princess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was Disneyland. like, oh my God, this is me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, no, it was it was like really random, <laughs> but I really liked it. I was like, hey, do you know what? Us performers and those bitches that work at princess parties, they deserve representation in movies as well. So, uh, you know, everyone, everyone struggling, yeah. yeah, struggling actors. Okay. We exist. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I think one of the things I noticed right away being introduced to Sydney was their names. Uh, I know that we introduced her in the synopsis as Madison Lake, but I actually think her name is Madison Mitchell. Um, and Oh, I know a Madison and Mitchell in real life. That's funny. Really? How funny. Yeah. She's on Broadway <laughs> in Cats. Oh. 
Well, she was in Cats when it was there open. You go. Anyway. Oh, the best musical ever. Okay. And then, <laughs> um, then Sydney Lake. And I don't know what it was, but something about these names, even before I really Sydney got Sydney Cramp Crystal Lake. <laughs> Sydney Cramp, Camp, Cramp Crystal Lake. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, something about these names, when I first heard them, even before I knew what the movie was truly going to be like, I was like, these are very like soap opera names. Yes, they are. Sydney Lake, Madison Sydney. Mitchell. Yeah. And they're giving soap opera in this, in their dynamic. They have like this like strained sister relationship where, uh, you know, Sydney has not life. been a part of her life. And, you know, um, you know, now that her abusive husband is dead, she's now reuniting with her long lost sister. Yes. And then, you know, is taking care of her through this really horrible time where she's getting back on her feet and only for her to find out that her sister is not her sister. She yeah. is adopted. She's adopted. And then I realized this is full on soap opera. Yeah. And I think it really comes at a pivotal time because soap operas are dying it's a dying art form and like there are shows that have been on tv for 50 years that are now just now being canceled because of our culture and how we've kind of transcended from you know it's just like from vhs to dvd to blu-ray to 4k to digital streaming it's like there's just right not room Uh, for everyone i wonder if it's like the lack uh, of necessity for cable anymore you know, it's that streaming, yeah. like you know, because you know it's you usually tune I, in every week that, or every day at the same time to watch your stories. You know, right? And this could be presumptuous of me, but I also think it's because a lot of the fans that were, you know, really latching onto like those shows are dying off. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like that generation. I mean, that's kind true. Of like, probably not watching TV much anymore. I, yeah. Also, yeah. Like, what is the market for soap operas nowadays? I think I don't know anybody. The, I can't think I, of anybody, <laughs> at least in my age bracket, who religiously watches a soap opera. No, I I, uh, I used to watch Young and the Restless because I used to be babysat by my grandma. Me too. I'm, saying, I'm like those baby boomers and the generation before the baby boomers, like they're dying off or they probably have, you know, dementia. And so <laughs> they're not <laughs> watching these shows, you know, but they're, I'm just joking, but they, but they're being canceled. And I, I kind of think it's like a, it's kind of sad in a way because it's almost sure. like a part of our pop culture that's that's dying off it's going extinct yeah so i think that this kind of introduction of these things like adoption and medical mysteries and you know uh this melodrama lifetime sort of things those kind of storylines that are being introduced in here i'm like wow this these sort of storylines can work in mainstream media if you do it in the right way absolutely i mean like and we're, and we're getting all the tropes too. I mean, I got a hospital scene that is like a yes. soap opera trope to the max. You know, it's and she like, can't remember anything that happened when she was little. Oh, it was like amnesia yeah. Yeah. and she, evil yeah, amnesia. twins, and you know, yeah, yeah. exactly, <laughs> absolutely. It's so good. It's so right. good. We're also introduced to um, the detectives, Kakoa Shaw and Regina Moss, who Kakoa Shaw, played by George Young, so hot. So hot, yeah. So hot, like, so cute. Love it, yeah. So hot, and then we, but then this like ragtag team of like detectives is so bizarre. Like, I I love his his partner. She's great. 
she's great. Detective she, Regina Moss. Yeah. Um, she, to me, is the audience in this movie. Like, this movie is so... Because even Kakoa Shaw, he's sort of wrapped up in the melodrama of it all. Yeah. Especially because he starts falling for Sydney and everything. And everyone's sort of part of this, like, melodrama. And they have no idea what it means to be grounded anymore. But then we have Detective Regina Moss, who does not lose her... Her, her, her reality yeah yeah her, her sense yeah. of reality <laughs> yeah her reality button is still intact and i think that she's great because she gives the audience she represents the audience and sure. our reactions to a lot of what's happening she's like what the fuck like <laughs> yeah. even like when she's like fuck or shit like when <laughs> yes. things are popping out and happening it's uh i think she's i and i love her performance as uh, nicole brianna white um, oh, is that she, what it was, Nicole? Mick, I think it's Nicole. Nicole with an M. I said Michelle, oh. like Michelle, but with an O. <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> I think it's Nicole. Yeah. Probably Nicole. Um, but yeah, I think her comedic timing is brilliant. I think that her yeah. um, her performance, her choices to keep that character really grounded and be a, a voice for us <laughs> in this movie is great. Yeah, totally. And then we get the plucky little um, crime scene photographer, like oh, who yes. played who by we, Ingrid Bisu, who's one of the writers. Yes, which we learned five seconds before we started recording this <laughs> that she wrote this movie with James Wan. Yeah, I I I left her out of the synopsis because her character does nothing to move the storyline yes, forward. She's insignificant. Um, <laughs> but yes, go ahead, girl. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, get she's your cute. She has, a, she has some she's cute, cute moments. She's cute, but she this. adds like some really strange, like <laughs> she reminds me of like Scooby Doo or something. Like, yeah, Velma. She is very much the Velma of the group, and she obviously has a crush on Kakoa. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and so that dynamic is really funny. It's nice to have these sort of supporting roles that still contribute in a way to like the universe. Like they are performed well and they have their own storylines, not just yeah. cardboard characters that are just, you know, well, revealing I mean, parts of the story. It, it's definitely side characters making choices, which, you know what? I right. appreciate. I love like, that. Like they have every opportunity to be one dimensional as hell, but these people said, I'm going to make a choice and it might be yeah. weird and it might be that I have a crush on this detective <laughs> for no- that will go nowhere, that means nothing, but. Why not? But I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna make it something. Yeah. I'm gonna be remembered. I okay. might be written out of the synopsis, but I will be remembered. Okay, yeah. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Detective Moss, she okay. is under the impression that Madison is the one who killed Derek. So I mean, we're what, kind of why we ever learned, would she would she why suspect ever would that? She do that. I know. She only, have anything. Cr- he only cracked her motherfucking skull in her half. Skull and literally, literally. Um, <laughs> but it's because the handprints. But with throwing them off is that the handprints are distorted, and it seems like the killer was hanging from the ceiling. Which this pregnant lady probably couldn't get up there and do all that. So it, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> um, we talked about that. She returns home, and it's a very foggy night. Bitch, what do you think their how much of their budget do you think they spent on this fucking fog? Oh my god, yeah, it is just the foggiest fog I've ever seen. Oh, there's a lot of fog, bitch. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of fog. 
It's like um, the nightmare scenes in Insidious. Like, <laughs> bitch, the, yeah, the, just walking through a, the astral plane or whatever. You can almost see like where it's coming from, like behind the house. You're like, bitch, I yeah. know exactly where that fog machine is. <laughs> I do love this scene where Madison is back home. It's like the shower and seeing Gabriel. And when she locks the doors and shuts the curtains, you hear these like objects rattling. And when you watch this with like surround sound or if you watched it in theaters, yeah. there's all these things, you know, happening, water dripping. And um, I thought that was a great use of sound. I really love the sound design. And then when she finds out one of the doors she locks is open, and she runs back upstairs. James Wand, you know, we're always into like his really unique long shots where he's following one character through an entire house for yeah. 10 minutes. This one, he did an overhead shot and literally turned a cat and mouse chase into just like a mouse in a maze. Yeah. And that great overhead shot where he's following Madison from room to room, but you're like seeing it from the POV of the ceiling. I thought was masterful. I was oh like, my god, this is great! It's, yeah, it's so sick. Like these above shots. Yeah, I I love it. And really, at, like if you're coming for the James Wan of it, like this is the the prime example of James Wan's style. You know, and pushing mm. himself, pushing his style. Um, and I think, it, yeah, it's so brilliant. Like watching it from above, as if it is like a mouse maze. Like I thought that was so smart. It was so And especially cool. because in these scenes, these scenes are like huge misdirections. We in to us as the audience who don't know, we think that these scenes are happening in real time. But what we don't realize is that they're happening in her head. So it is almost dreamlike, you know, it's like having an out of body experience yes. looking up from above but like looking down. You know uh, what's going oh, on? Oh, uh, like um, astral astral projection. projection. Yes, yes, mm, yeah. That's what I it almost that. feels. Like. Yeah, you know, and because it is happening in her head, and like even she, she even says this. She's like, "It's all in my head," and it's like, "No shit!" It, literally, like it's so funny because James Wan is like, he's giving away the story, and yes, you're not. Of course, you will never pick it up right away. No, but not until you watch it the second time when she's saying these memories are suppressed deep in the back of my head. Yeah. Like, ex- oh, yeah. They gave away the whole plot. Exactly. They're giving <laughs> it away and you're in vers- You're not grasping it, but they're giving away the movie in every step of the way. And so I just think that's so fun. Yeah. Especially as on a rewatch, you're like, Oh my God, I didn't even notice that. Didn't even didn't think even click. about it. And then now that I'm watching it again, it, it makes viewing it again exciting you know yeah it, i've watched it now three times and i think it gets better with every viewing honestly um oh i thought you were gonna say something <laughs> sorry i was yawning um, <laughs> i don't agree it's just kidding yeah. i know this is actually rather boring um so <laughs> we already talked about madison revealing to uh city that she's adopted and how it's stylized like a soap opera when she reveals it but this dramatic music that accompanies every bombshell of the story and every development uh, is great. Like, it's like, and again, it's just James Wan peeling back the layers of what he was telling us in this story when she's like, Sydney, I'm adopted. And, and they close like, in on Sydney. Like, like, dun, dun, dun. Ah. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it might as well have been a dun, dun, dun because it's like, in the Literally. pregnant pause, like, is so, so, the, <gasps> Oh, like yeah. that inhale of like 
absorbing this like yeah bombshell information it's just yeah and it's the music feels kind of like an 80s soap opera like it's like yeah. a synth score but with like a but with like an orchestral arrangement that also sounds very that makes it very melodramatic and then the chorus you know like the, yeah <laughs> but it is so, it, but it is really funny as an audience member because we do get this big bombshell that she's adopted they're not related but we as an audience are sitting there like what? okay but what does that mean what, what yeah. is, like okay and? what's the what's the relevance or the significance of it because then they immediately cut to like a new scene and you're like wait wait why w-? that was obviously really dramatic and i should have had some <laughs> reaction to it and i am <laughs> but i also don't know why i'm having the a first time i watched it. this and that happened i was sort of catching on to it i was like Okay, this is very much inspired by soap operas. And by the time she said she was adopted and they did that close-up of Sydney with that music, I laughed because I was yeah. like, oh my God. And I was watching it with like three other people and I was like, this is so hilarious. This is like, funny. It is so good. The the things that they thought of to <laughs> yeah. include were so good. And so I immediately on the first viewing were was appreciating these moments, but I can see why somebody expecting the next conjuring or the next insidious universe to kind of be like be turned off by this. This yeah. is stupid. Yeah. Because but it I, is because it is delivered with a lot of sincerity. But yeah. I mean, you have to like you can't delay, you can't say these ridiculous lines and have these drop these bombshell revelation lines like I'm adopted and like. But you yeah. ha- you can't play it like you're in on the secret. You have to play it sincerely, and so it yes. does come across as very earnest. And people just saw it as like this is really stupid and over the top and dramatic and bad acting and like it's like yeah but like look at what they're referencing but exactly and i was gonna say not to give ourselves too much credit but just being able to catch on to that with the first viewing i felt like and then seeing everybody's reaction afterward yeah i was i was surprised i was surprised because but then again i was like i don't think you can expect everyone to understand the references and if you don't understand the references i'm sure that this does seem stupid or if you don't appreciate the references i'm sure it doesn't do it for you but i think that if you are able to catch on to the intellectual you know references that are woven into the storyline i think it's actually very smart and very clever and and very and much more thought out than yes. it's than it got credit for. You yes. Know? Yes. Or that and some I people do... may not have given it credit for. Anyway. Yeah. And I do have to say that the score is masterful. I think what Joseph Bashara does with every score and every movie that he um, does is really great. I think he always messes with like these new sounds and stuff almost like John Carpenter did in Halloween 2018 yeah um, with like these really like stunning sounds and um this cool synth beats I think he's oh my god always did a fantastic job <laughs> yeah I had the DJ Joseph Bashara <laughs> <laughs> um so I always appreciate when he scores in film it's always great We meet a woman played by Jean Louisa Kelly, who is closing up at work because she is a guide at the Seattle Underground Tour, which is a real thing. Yeah, which is a real thing. We looked it up. I was like, I want to visit that. That looks crazy. Looks creepy. 
Gabriel kidnaps her and she wakes up in an attic strung up to the rafters. Gabriel speaks through a radio telling her he's been waiting for this, but first he must get to Dr. Weaver. Gabriel makes a call to Dr. Weaver, quoting her by saying, it's time to cut out the cancer. Madison listens to the radio while doing laundry and static begins to interrupt. She sees a figure run across her foyer as she makes her way to the washing machine. Lights flicker and the back of Madison's head begins to bleed, seemingly from the injury Derek caused. As Madison loads the washer, she sees Dr. Weaver in the laundry room screaming. Madison's surroundings melt away, transforming into Dr. Weaver's home. She watches as Gabriel kills Dr. Weaver, beating her into a pulp with a trophy designed like the rod of Asclepius. (laughs) Asclepius. Asclepius. For those of you who don't know what that is, you know that, that medical knife? With the snakes around it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. It's, it's very that. Asclepius. It is that. Yeah, Asclepius. It's Asclepius? I don't know. Bitch, you acting like you know what the hell you do. Asclepius. <laughs> I don't know. That's what, it, that's what it looks like when I look at it. Asclepius. During their investigation, Shaw and Moss discover a photo of a young female child in Weaver's house and learn that she specialized in child reconstructive surgery. Shaw decides to investigate Dr. Weaver's records, suspecting a former patient may have committed the crime. He asks a co-worker to investigate the photo of the little girl. They also discover that the murder weapon is missing. Gabriel has taken it and is turning it into a sharp knife. After watching a news broadcast of the murder, Madison tells Sydney that she saw Derek's killer murder Dr. Weaver. Later, Madison lies in bed and has a vision of Dr. Fields in his apartment asleep. Gabriel appears behind her and slowly climbs onto Dr. Fields. He stabs the doctor in the face several times with his new knife. Madison screams as she sees Gabriel's bloody, fleshy face. Ooh. All right. Okay, so, I again, James Wan's style is very, um, very much there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That critical analysis. <laughs> The hard-hitting <laughs> stuff you guys tuned in for today. <laughs> no, in this Seattle underground tour scene, a lot of the stuff he does with the the angles and the the point of view and the lights feel very much like a James right. Wan film. Exactly. Also, the setting is awesome. I know we kind of touched on it before, yeah. but this like underground Seattle city is really fucking cool and makes for a really good creepy setting. You know, I did see that somebody on that we follow on Instagram, a couple, very hot couple. Ooh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They're so hot. They're honestly. so hot. Um, they went to Seattle and they went to this. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow, that's very cool. <laughs> and then I watched Malignant and it, it was a setting in there. I was like, mm, <laughs> I know who's been there. <laughs> yeah. I know who's been there. That really hot couple <laughs> from Instagram. <laughs> Oh my god, we're so dumb. Um, yes, but I, I really do love this setting. And then we get um, the kidnapping of this woman. You're like, what does this woman have to do with anything? The really cool part about her being kidnapped is we get to see a little bit more of Gabriel and his contorted right. figure. And it's like very scary. Well, this is this is the moment where I caught on. This is I was like, okay, this is the moment it clicked for me. I was like that's the same person i was like that's her 
and people were the like, hair. oh, they're like, oh no, I like, I don't know. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's her. That looks exactly like her with that <laughs> that long black or you know that wig <laughs> that she's been wearing the whole movie. I was like, that's the same wig. <laughs> I was like, it's her. She is Gabriel. I didn't put it. I again, I didn't put two and two together that he was still a part of her, like attached to her. I thought maybe it was like a like a Jekyll and Hyde sort of situation, which it kind oh, of is. Well, it kind of is, but I do. Uh, I I still thought it conjoined twin. I just thought maybe his body was a little bit different because he just was the one on the backside. Right. <laughs> so or his like body he had, just looked weird. Did you think he was like separated from her body? Yes. I did not think they were the same person. I just thought they were. They both had the long black hair to just sort of kind of equate them, sure. like make them yeah. twins. But right. I did think that he was separated from her. So right. I, it, it was still a mystery to me, but I thought that I was close. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. God, this movie's fucking crazy. And so, <laughs> so then we have, um, we start seeing more of these scenes of Madison being lost in this world where, you know, she's seeing these murders happen, but she doesn't know why we're like oh maybe maybe this is like a they have a twin psychic connection almost like i know who killed me in moment yeah well i and i i think that's how i caught on to them being conjoined twins because i'm like she's being able to see the murders that he's committing and this sort of transitions that they do are really well done like melting away melting away yeah yeah, it's really cool. I started to, that's how I started to catch on because I was like, okay, if she's seeing what he's able to do, but, you know, I'm right. thinking that they're not connected. I'm like, maybe it's because there are all these cool things that happen with twins, especially when they're like conjoined, where yeah. then they even show some of them later on in the movie where it's like, you can show flashcards to one twin and the person, and because their brains are connected, the other person can sort of. I don't know. I don't even know how it works. Like you're showing the color blue <laughs> to one twin and the other twin's like blue. blue. Or, you know, they're able yeah. to speak. And there are all these like m- crazy mysteries around twins that I've read about where like, you know, one goes through trauma and ends up not speaking. So the other one doesn't speak or sometimes they die at the exact same time. Oh my God. Causes. There are all these weird things. So like this introduction and the way they did it of her being able to see it, I was like, whoa, this is really cool but yeah. I'm, I'm figuring it out but uh i i do love the visual representation of what maybe goes on in the minds of twins especially if they're connected yeah for sure yeah also going back a little bit the design of gabriel and how mm-hmm. we at this point we see him like put on like this like leather jacket and you know we start seeing gabriel the villain right we start mm-hmm. seeing and this to me feels like the early 2000s slasher sort of thing where we have like a these like villains that are created almost like house of wax house of wax yeah yes it it feels like that it feels like they're creating these new characters have these like weird souped up weapons like sorority row or you know what i'm saying it's like yeah this introduction of like you know he he makes this sword out of the ass clapius and um, <laughs> or like black Christmas or something like that. It, uh-huh. it feels very much yes. like this. This is where I'm getting that early two thousands horror vibe from this movie. If that's one of the things in the blender 
that is this movie. Yes, and I can totally see that. Yeah, you're right. This is very much a 2000s villain. I do think that his design is very scary. Obviously, yeah. because you don't know what you're looking at, almost. You're yeah, like, ever. Is, ever. Even once this? we find out what it is, I'm like, what am I looking at? I know, seriously. But I, And I do love the weapon. It does feel a little superhero-ish villain to me. Right, but, but, but that's, that's what, what it was. Kind of going for. That's yeah. what it was in like the early 2000s. It's like, or you know, like these like, when they started putting professional wrestlers as like these killers, like see no evil or something like, you <laughs> oh know? Oh my gosh. I want to do that movie on this show. <laughs> <laughs> With Taina. Oh my God, is she in that? Yes. Taina. I haven't seen that forever. But you know what I'm saying? It just feels very much like like that like sort of superhuman superhero-ish type villain like just stronger than the average folk so the killings are brutal oh here. yeah so yes we are getting a lot of kills here we still don't really get to see much of dr weaver but i've seen enough like the the fact that he beats her with this trophy oh, achievement yeah, yeah. award that she's received i'm like Oh my gosh, like it is so brutal. Like the amount of blood and chunks that are coming Ugh. up with every swing. I'm like, Ugh. ooh, that has to hurt. But yeah, um, she's but gonna feel we, that in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then also with Dr. Field's murder, that one in your face, in sla- stabs stab, to the face, stabs to the face. Like Gabriel is no joke, vicious and fast. I'm like, whoa, whoa, I would scream. I'd be screaming. And this idea that Madison is laying next to him and can't move because she's trapped in this mental prison and just being having to watch Gabriel commit this murder. Yeah, I was like, as, he, as Gabriel crawls over her. And again, this is sort of um, oh, a misdirection yes. to us because this is showing them sort of separated. Yeah, you know, together but, but separated. Together yeah, but separated, yeah. In the same scene. Yes, exactly. It's making it's keeping the mystery alive. Yeah. But also like as somebody who suffers from night terrors periodically, very more often than I wish they would happen. Um I was like, Oh, this is a night terror moment. She can't <laughs> move, she's in bed. It's scary, there's a demon on top of her. So I was very scared by that. Oh my god, you're triggered. Yeah, I was triggered. (laughs) Um, Okay, this is kind of the part of the mystery that I'm like, all right, like, who is this little girl in the picture? Like, it's obviously her. (laughs) (laughs) They're wearing the same wig. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love this idea that they do in movies sometimes. And I, I don't know if this is on purpose, but like showing younger versions of characters with the same exact hairstyle that they've grown up into having I'm like this person is still has straight bangs right all these like, years later like Kyle Richards and Halloween Kills yes exactly yeah. <laughs> like why bangs why bangs? we know it's her <laughs> yeah just tell us it's her <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh bitch this glimpse that we get of Gabriel's face Ugh. that I buried under like just fleshy nasty bone <laughs> hair B- a bone or what is that brain matter i don't know but it's nasty or it's a tumor with an eye i uh, just gotta chill 
it is extreme. Um, it's it's really weird. I agree. You know, it it's baffling. Like it is very like weird. You just it, don't know what to say. And visually, it's really hard to take in what you're looking at. You're like, wait, what? You're like, this is so bizarre. And every, yeah. and what else? And also, I mean, we haven't really gotten to like the meat of what Gabriel can do yet, but just like no. the visual of the backwards joints. <laughs> you're you're yes. still sort of like confused. Like Confusing. what am I looking what am I looking at? I can't exactly. tell but it feels wrong, but also I it looks like a person, but why is it why are they not moving like a human? And you don't really understand that it's because the body is completely backwards. And by the time we get to Dr. Field's murder, I've figured out a couple of things. One, mm-hmm. I'm highly entertained. Yeah. Two, I'm confused. And three, I think that the showing him creep up behind Madison and then really being able to see how his joints move around by stabbing yeah. Dr. Fields, I think at this point, I'm. that's when I thought, okay, they are conjoined twins. And Gabriel just looks weird because he was pulled off of her like separated yeah and he must have just been configured weirdly so i think that's when i was like taking this in like sure they're conjoined twins i'm confused but i'm loving what i'm watching yeah i know poor (laughs) poor dr fields where do you think mrs fields was the bakery (laughs) (laughs) mrs fields the fucking cookie monster bitch I am so (laughs) mad. (laughs) Oh my God. Madison and Sydney approach Sean Moss and Madison reveals that she can see the murders describing the murder of Fields. Sydney suggests that when Gabriel attacked Madison, the two became physically bonded. She finds this... (laughs) Psychically. What I say? Oh, (laughs) physically. Sorry, I can't read your typing. Just kidding. Your hand typing. They become (laughs) psychically bonded. She finds this possible after having played a psychic in a cop show. Moss quickly dismisses her theories. I love this, by the way. I love that Madison is like, I know what I'm talking about. I played a psychic on a TV show. (laughs) I know. I love her delivery in that. It's just like, well, don't you guys consult psychics for like investigations? And like, no, we absolutely do not do that. She goes, well, (laughs) I played a psychic in a cop show and I'm pretty sure they said it that they actually do that. (laughs) Right. And you know what's really funny? Uh, Another sort of subgenre that I feel is sort of sneakily put in here is like a police procedural which is sort of like a police version of a soap opera, right? You know, like these like CSIs and NCIS uh-huh. and something like totally. that. That's what the detectives sort of represent to me. And so yeah. I like that they 911. They, yeah, these like sort of yeah, yeah. these pr- police procedurals basically. And I like that they're also referencing them when she like brings up the fact that she guest starred on a police procedural and like I don't know it, it almost feels a little meta to me but I thought it was very funny that she brought that up yeah however the police decide to investigate Dr. Field's apartment Madison is able to identify the apartment building saying she thinks the murder happened on the top floor they discover that Dr. Fields has in fact been brutally murdered After a police sketch reveals Gabriel to look like Sloth from the Goonies, the detectives are baffled. Madison, feeling defeated that they don't believe her, receives a phone call from Gabriel. 
Gabriel calls her Emily, explaining that that was her birth name, which triggers a part of her memory. Madison surprises herself when she calls him Gabriel. She knows he is someone from her past. Shaw asks a co-worker if he found out who the little girl in the picture was, and it's revealed to be Madison. She was a patient of Dr. Weaver. Madison and Sydney visit their mother, Jean, played by Susanna Thompson, to find out more about her past. Jean shows them home videos of Madison talking to an imaginary friend named Gabriel. Jean reveals their conversations were bone-chilling, but thinks Gabriel was a coping mechanism Madison used to transition into her new life. Oh my god, okay. They decide to, like, play into them, into their bullshit, right? They're like, whatever. This girl's crazy. There's no murder. And then there was. She was right. So now they're really confused. Yeah, they're like, how can this be? And then when they show that sketch of oh Gabriel, my God. Like, we only saw his eye up close, but now we're seeing like what she saw, like the full face. Oh my gosh, horrifying. Can you Hilarious. imagine that being broadcast on the news? There's a killer on the loose <laughs> and this is what he looks like. like <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? Have you ever seen that, that video of the leprechaun um, from Mobile, Alabama? When it's like, there are all these people <laughs> believe that there's a leprechaun in the tree. And yes. they're like, the police have this sketch, and it's literally like a pencil drawing of like a leprechaun's face. Like a kid. Like yeah, a kid. Like a, like a trying to draw Lucky Charms. Yes. And they're like, this is a sketch of the leprechaun, and it's like a, <laughs> on a piece of like yellow lined paper with like just pencil <laughs> outline. It's fucking funny. And that's what this reminded me of. But <laughs> I love when uh, Miss Detective Moss, she's all. We're looking for fucking sloth from the sloth Goonies. From the Goonies? Like, I don't know about <laughs> all that. When Emily, or sorry, when Madison gets this phone call from Gabriel, I also kind of like this idea, too, that he can contact people through radio waves Ooh, and, yeah. you know, things like that. And especially, like, this phone call, because obviously it harkens back to what we love so much, Scream. Yeah. You know, when a stranger calls, Black Christmas, like all of these phone calls. And so you do get some classic setups, like even earlier, the fog, the, the castle, right. the hospital, the f- phone, the doors creaking, open windows, the blowing wind and leaves, you know, like these slasher scenes and these phone calls. I'm like, this is we just have everything is here. We have all yeah. these different pieces of a of different equations. And I just think they work so well together. Yeah, and exactly. I love the, the phone call. And I, even though he's using like, I guess radio waves to create his voice. I love the way his voice sounds. Yeah. It's really scary. Yeah. This is definitely like a genre salad that works. Whereas something like, yeah. again, going back to Halloween kills, which is a genre salad that does not work. <laughs> So right, I, right. I think I think that this is definitely it. it just everything. Seems it's a to mixed click for bag me. of nuts, but it's yeah. so delicious. Exactly. Yes, they're salted and, just right. <laughs> exactly, just like your nuts. Salty, <laughs> salty nut. I love salty nuts. I love to yeah. suck on them <laughs> and really get the flavor. <laughs> Going back to what you said before, um, I was like, okay, I was like, this idea that Gabriel communicates through like radio waves i was like okay what's Mm -hmm. the connection here and i'm like is it because they we we were told for so long that like radio waves and things like that cause cancer (gasps) like you know you remember like when like cell phones were coming out they're like people are getting 
brain tumors because of the rate like the radio waves coming the from radiation. your phone and i thought so if that's the case i think that's a really clever way to have gabriel communicate because it's almost like a source of his power as a sort of malignant cancerous creature yeah i thought i think that's kind of brilliant i was like oh so it's like the radio waves give him power just like radio waves supposedly give us cancer (laughs) they like they are the fuel for the cancer and so he's able to manipulate that that. almost like it caused like a birth defect too like yeah this is what caused his birth defect i mean if he were a superhero villain that would be his backstory exactly it is almost kind of like a super villain backstory yeah like and he kind of looks like a red (laughs) m&m which you're not supposed to eat if you're pregnant (laughs) oh my god i was like (laughs) i was like because of halloween okay Oh my god, what if they played into that even more and they had like the mom standing in front of a microwave hoping that the baby would go away? Oh my god. Can you imagine. <laughs> Malignant too. I mean, <laughs> there's always a possibility. We're for just it, giving right? them ideas now. Right. But you know, <laughs> I kind of love that because at, that's the one thing in this I think that I'm like kind of not okay with just because it's not explained. Like, okay, I can, I guess I can kind of piece together the super strength not even <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that's, the, that's those it's those little characteristics like his abilities that are never explained that i'm like but wait how can he pull this off i mean radio radio waves must give him power i don't know if that's actually explored in this but he's at least able to manipulate them somehow and you know at least speak through them but yeah, it's never really explained why he has super strength or why he has the agility and the flexibility that he has. Because let me tell you, this bitch is like Gumby on steroids <laughs> coming up. Gumby on steroids. Gumby on uh, steroids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, there also is a lot of visuals in this part, uh, like at nighttime in the precinct, where we see a lot of red and blue flashing outside, you know, from cop cars right. that aren't going anywhere. Um, but <laughs> I, I like this sort of duality that they start playing with because there's a lot of red and blue and a lot of red and dark like a lot of contrasting colors Mm -hmm. and i think it plays into the duality of our main characters oh yeah it's like the cop lights and then the toy the phone toy that they show her playing with in the home videos and then the neon sign outside dr field's uh apartment flashing so a lot of those contrasting colors and and light is is really cool and i love that it plays into the sort of gemini thing happening in the story for sure, yeah. But and then we also get a lot of misdirection here too, where there's we start thinking like, oh, maybe she has like an evil imaginary friend. And I was like, no way. I was or like, a split there's personality. Uh, yeah, I was like, something. there's there's no way. I was like that this is an imaginary friend. But I thought, honestly, for a second, once I saw these, I was like, oh, this is the route we're going. Imaginary friend. I was like totally duped by this movie. Like I did was not. I did not you figure it out. figuring early. it out right away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, is it going to be an imaginary friend? I was like, God, I hope not. That'd be so stupid. And it wasn't. Thank fuck. But I know. But I did. There was a moment where I was questioning the conjoined twin thing that I thought of. And I was like, maybe she has a split personality. Because once they show her talking to herself and stuff, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Huh. 
Maybe yeah. she has a split personality and it is more of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sort of thing. I know, but I mean, yeah, like, but either way, you, the, I think that makes this movie very fun. It makes it engaging. You're like, I was definitely not 100% sold on what I thought it was going to be. And so I'm having fun watching this movie, figuring it out as I go. It's keeping us on our toes. Yeah, 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 for sure. Shaw finds Weaver's video logs, which reveal Madison was seemingly experiencing psychosis in 1992. Shaw decides to find Dr. Weaver's other partner, Dr. Gregory. That night, Madison begins to see a vision of Dr. Gregory in his home preparing for a bath. Gabriel kills him, leaving his mutilated body in the bathtub. Madison, still hallucinating, sees Shaw arrive to find the doctor. She tries to warn him that Gabriel is still there, but he can't hear her. Gabriel attacks. Shaw is able to fight him off and a chase ensues into the streets and they eventually end up in the Seattle underground tour where he loses track of Gabriel. The next day, Shaw and Moss reveal to Madison that she was indeed born with the name Emily May. They use a psychiatric hypnotherapist to put Madison into a trance to unlock her memories. While hypnotized, Madison recalls Gabriel following her to her new home with her adopted parents. She says only she can see Gabriel, and he forced her to do bad things. While her mother was pregnant, Gabriel was able to visually trick Madison into thinking she was cutting into a birthday cake, but actually she was about to stab into her mother's stomach. Madison says she can remember now. His intention when she was younger was to kill Sydney before she was born. She then reveals to them that the killer called her and revealed himself to be Gabriel. Detective Moss refuses to believe her imaginary friend could be the killer. (laughs) I love that. She's like, excuse me. (laughs) Meanwhile, the kidnapped woman is able to free herself, and as she runs to escape, she falls through the floor and into Madison's living room. She was in Madison's attic. Dramatic music ensues as Madison screams in terror. (laughs) (laughs) She just falls through the ceiling. I'm like, oh my god. The police arrest Madison for the kidnapping of the woman. It is later revealed that the woman is Serena May, Madison's birth mother. She is admitted to the hospital. They find the trophy weapon and the black coat in Madison's attic. While they interrogate Madison, she pleads with them saying it was Gabriel. Moss says she thinks Madison is having a psychotic break, killing her previous doctors and blaming it on an imaginary person. Madison screams for them to listen to her and as she yells, the light bulbs in the room explode. Madison's phone rings. It is Gabriel. He taunts the police and calls himself a figment of Madison's imagination. He then tells them to ask Madison what she used to call him. Madison says, the devil. Ooh, they are trying every route to misdirect us because now it's like the devil. Now he's a supernatural being. Maybe is, he, is she possessed? A devil that's trying to possess her soul. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of <laughs> things to misguide us here. Yeah, so much misdirection, but I mean, it, it again keeps the mystery alive and keeps us like hooked. Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. a twin? Is it an imaginary friend? Is it a the devil? Is it what the fuck is it? Is it just her? Yeah. Is it a, is it a rubber chicken? Is it? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um. I so. I, um, again, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just the, the slasher lover in me. I wanted to see Dr. Gregory die. It looked brutal. 
I kind of don't remember how he died. What happened? He was just in the bathtub and he was all bloodied up, like reading a magazine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. kind of wanted I don't to see I don't even remember that, it. <laughs> I know. See, you would have if we would have been able to see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Gabriel attacking um, Shaw and fa- going into the underground tour. Uh, I'm so glad that they utilized that more. I love this chase scene. I, it is so, again, again, like a full genre flip that I'm like, uh, wait, all of a sudden this has turned into some, like a, almost like a, like an action film. It's like an action scene. film. It's a little like, you know what some of these scenes remind me of? And I hate to reference this, but like Daredevil or Elektra. Yeah, like early <laughs> 2000s superhero movies. Yes, very that. I love when, um, Doc... Uh, when Detective Shaw jumps out the window because oh, yeah. Gabriel has and he was able to get away. He's like, I can do this. And, then and they just... show him just fall to the street. <laughs> He's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, but Gabriel, like I said, is like parkour. This is like... Yeah. Can run, leap, and you're like watching this creature run and you're like, why does this creature look so fucking weird? And I know. I, I, <laughs> I love the running... With like his arms, but they're backwards. Yeah, it just looks so funny. It just throws you off looking at it. You're like, I can't comprehend what I'm looking at. <laughs> um, when we get introduced to this um, hypnotherapist, I was like, we're gonna use a psychiatric hypnotherapist to, you know, hypnotize you and unlock it. And then Sydney's like, I knew it. They're like, <laughs> she's not a psychic. She's a <laughs> therapist, hypnotherapist. <laughs> Sydney's <laughs> hilarious. She is. I love her. So these are some of the moments that I think work really well because it does, it keeps the story going, but it's equal parts like scary, but also it's it's not out of place in the context of what we've known so far. Like while hypnotized, uh, we get, it's really a dark moment where he's telling her to like, we have a surprise for you and she goes to like cut this birthday cake and she snaps out of it and she's holding a knife over the mother's pregnant stomach yeah I'm like it's kind of a shocking visual to see a little girl holding a knife to her mom's pregnant stomach but at the same time the way in which it's filmed like we still have that transition like melting away and revealing what where she actually is um I don't know I just really love these dark moments and how they still are able to transition them very well into the storyline and not make it seem out of place like it's like ooh, this is getting really dark like the stabs to the face or you know yeah these shocking visuals of holding a knife to a pregnant woman it's like oh my god these are really shocking things but they don't feel out of place and i know we keep referencing like something like halloween kills where it's just like these little vignettes of like totally different yeah tones just just compiled together but this feels very everything feels so beautifully blended even yeah. if they are different yeah totally and I do what I do like about these scenes too is that we're starting to get Gabriel's motive or we start seeing like his like dis lo, dislike or his anger towards um, another sibling that, that Madison could possibly have that he's just like a jealous <laughs> bitch yeah. jealous ass bitch who is like be the only sibling to madison in that yeah sydney is actually the his target his main target 
because mm. he's the actual one who's been there for her. He's he's stuck with her the entire time. No pun oh. intended. <laughs> Good one. Through thick Bruh. and thin. <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. And then also this could feed into any of the other possibilities too. Like maybe she's having a psychotic break and maybe she wanted to kill this unborn child because she had just been adopted and she didn't want to share the spotlight. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It, it, it doesn't necessarily spoil the big reveal that is coming. Um, again, it's just adding to the suspense, adding to the mystery that when we do finally get that big reveal of what Gabriel actually is, you're like, what? You're like, it is, it is mind blowing. So mind blowing, literally mind blowing. Um, the woman freeing herself from the attic and falling through into the living room. This was so hilarious when I first watched it. I was like, this is so funny. Again, and it's and they knew what scenes to put this this close up again with like the yeah. where they she falls through the ceiling and like and the pregnant ah. pause. Yeah. Yeah, and they zoom into the characters as they react. And uh, yeah. Dr. Moss is like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a good, it is a good little twist. You're like, oh my God, she was in the house the entire time and they had no idea. But then you I start, know. but you start thinking, wait a minute. Wait, Gabriel's in the house. And that's when things uh, connect even more. You're like, oh, so there is, there is a closer connection to Madison and Gabriel than we even realize up until this point you know and as if we didn't already have to suspend our disbelief we definitely have to suspend our disbelief here like bitch you didn't hear all that ruckus (laughs) in the attic (laughs) yeah I know okay this scene of her being interrogated and Gabriel calling her I absolutely love this scene. I love every part about it. When the lights explode to when he calls her and his voice is so sinister and all the lines and he's, they're like, who are you? And he's like, I thought she already told you. I'm a figment of her imagination. (laughs) Why don't you ask her what she used to call me? And she's like, the devil. Again, it's so melodramatic, but the lights going out and them just being lit by that one spotlight. (laughs) Yeah. So lovely. I just love it's so aesthetically pleasing. Totally. And his cheekiness on the phone is very ghost face. It's he, very ghost face. He's, yeah. very, he's kind of an asshole. Um, so, yeah, it's just so good. And again, a great misdirection because how could Gabriel be calling if he's, you know, if, if he's her? Right. So I, that, it, it, another misdirection, like you said, yes. It's like, what is this? So finally, we're getting so close to finding out because as soon as we think one thing, like, okay, she's either being possessed by the devil or she's having a psychotic meltdown. And then he calls and you're like, what the fuck? Well, you're like, what the fuck is what it? What is this? Yeah, you're so, but you're you're like, I need to know. I need to know what is it? Um, And we, right after this, we... We finally get the big reveal once, you know, Sydney breaks into the record room, which we'll get into. Sydney decides to do her own investigation. She finds the now abandoned Simeon Research Hospital and is able to retrieve Madison's records. She takes her findings to Jean's house, playing videotapes of Weaver's research. 
The videos show Serena, a young teen who gave birth to Madison and decided to give her to the research hospital, saying her pregnancy was a transgression against God and says he is an abomination. They find that the abomination Serena was referring to was Gabriel, Madison's parasitic twin brother, an extreme version of a teratoma, which shared the same brain as her. At the time, Gabriel had a full disfigured face, rib cage, and two arms, but because he was underdeveloped and mostly absorbed, he had to rely on Madison's brain and body as she was the fully formed dominant twin. Bitch, this is... Bitch, this is extreme. But I, I can't wait to tell you what was referenced for me in my brain after right. this. Dr. Fields explains that Gabriel can hijack Madison's body, placing Madison in a mental prison, a false reality where she's tricked into believing she's living her life normally while Gabriel acts out his sinister plans. When Gabriel became stronger and more violent, Weaver operated on Madison, removing Gabriel's arms and ribcage and stitching what was left of his head and face into Madison's skull, her hair covering any evidence of the trauma. Gabriel was dormant during her childhood, but woke up when Derek smashed her head against the wall. In her jail cell, Madison is grouped with a bunch of shady ladies who decide to beat her up. Oh my god, this fucking, <laughs> these fucking putas in jail. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the violence wakes Gabriel and he takes over. As the lights begin to flicker, Gabriel's face emerges from the back of Madison's head and contorts her body. He proceeds to brutally slaughter all of the inmates, one of which is Zoe Bell. What? Do you know who Zoe Bell is? I've heard that name. Yeah, she's like stunt woman to the stars. She was like Uma Thurman's stunt yeah. double in Kill Bill. She's like the main antagonist in this scene the like lesbian one yes 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 yes, yes. <laughs> she's like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> he then breaks free from the cell and steals back his knife and coat from the evidence room sydney tries to explain gabriel to shaw but is interrupted by the chaos ensuing in the precinct police close in on gabriel but his speed and strength allow him to kill his way through the officers Shaw sees that Gabriel is attached to Madison and begins calling out to her. Madison wakes up, but she's trapped in a mental prison where she is still in her jail cell surrounded by dead bodies. Gabriel arrives at the hospital to kill Serena, but finds Sydney and attacks her. Serena wakes and begs for forgiveness, saying Gabriel is her son. Shaw intercepts, but is quickly wounded by Gabriel, dropping his gun. Madison watches in terror as Sydney is attacked by Gabriel, who pins her to a wall with a hospital bed. Sydney calls out to Madison, explaining that Gabriel is the cause of her miscarriages because he was feeding off of her fetuses. Just then, Gabriel grabs Shaw's gun and shoots Sydney in the head. Serena screams in horror and he suffocates her with his hand. Madison is able to wake up and take back control of her body. Transporting them to a black mindscape, Madison says that she is now the one in control and that Gabriel's powers are hers now. She reveals to Gabriel that she can trick him too now, as Sydney and Serena are still alive. She is now able to place him in a mental prison. As Madison leaves Gabriel to rot in the mindscape, he insists to her that he will return one day. Madison replies that she will be ready for him when he does and leaves him locked up in the mindscape. 
Back in the hospital and in full control of her body, Madison lifts the hospital bed, pinning Sydney to the wall with her newly acquired superhuman strength. The pair hug as Madison affirms that even though she was adopted and she's not related by blood, she was her sister all along and proud to be so. As the two embrace, a light bulb in the corner of the room flickers slightly. The end. Ah, oh, leaving it open for a possible sequel. Of course. Lovely. Of Lovely. course. I'm sure we'll get Malignant 2, Electric Boogaloo coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. This entire backstory, it's a lot to explain, but actually it's very simple. Like, he is a parasitic twin, but the <laughs> reference reminds me of something that happened when we were young. There was this article or some kind of news broadcast. I just remember my grandma talking about a bunch of stuff that she watched on the news. And one of them was that there was this giant tumor that became a part of this, that was growing in this woman's stomach. And when they removed it, they found that it had teeth and hair. Ew! I know. And they were, they explained that that was because it was a parasitic twin that was absorbed into her body and it still had some of that development in it. Like it was still able to kind of grow in that way with like teeth and hair. <laughs> I'm like, oh my wow, God. That's that is so extreme. That's crazy. I thought, I'm sure. I'm sure if we were to find that story, I'm sure that has to be some sort of reference in this, right? Like, they probably did the research on parasitic twins. 100%. I mean, the medical mystery and the evil twin is already like a soap opera trope that I think was just yeah. interwoven to create the story. But I do feel like it has to be a part of that, too. Like, this, you know, crazy tumor that grew on this person that also has teeth and hair. It could have potentially come to life. And taken over the body, <laughs> like it, it's scary. But even this, the the whole idea of a parasitic twin is is rather horrifying when you think about it. Oh my god! About yeah. what happens in the womb during something like that. Totally, and it's like when they show it though, when you finally see what Gabriel was like attached to the back of her body. This, oh my god! This is giving me eighties schlock horror down mama like giving me a movie that elvira would cover yes one of those easily licensable (laughs) or b movie it it looks like like mac and me in like like a shitty et is like attached to her back (laughs) and that's why it looked like a like a raw chicken to me because that's kind of what it looks like it kind of is the color of one too yeah i absolutely love this design it's though. so I good think it's so good it's so it's just silly a, it's a callback it's a reference and it is the moment <laughs> 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 and I, I just love it it's so well done and even the way in which it moves like it looks like it's being puppeteered Puppet. <laughs> yeah. yes i love i just love it i love everything that they did with this yeah it is just so absurd i remember when when it first showed up on the screen i was like what the fuck I was like laughing hysterically and like yes I was like I cannot believe what I'm watching even these little moments of them taking him off of her and they remove the rib cage it's like ooh (laughs) the way it looks the arms the cutting him off yes I'm like I'm glad it was 
practical yes. effects for sure. Yes, yes. I think that is what makes it so magical. Like, yes, it looks silly, but it looks also so good because it's practical. It's movie magic. And honestly, coming out of something like the quarantine or something really horrific like that, yeah. being able to sit there and be entertained by a movie like this, this is the entertainment that I need right now. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like, this is it. This is it. it. Just silly horror fun. I think the best part of this is obviously going to be like for you. you. I know you love to introduce people to movies like this and watch yeah. their reactions yes. to it. I um, have a very conservative coworker who will not watch a horror movie like this ever in her life. And she's an older woman. And I was, she was like, what movies did you, because she knows I love movies. She knows I do this podcast. And she's like, what movies did you watch this weekend? I was like, I watched this movie. Um, uh, it was like a slasher movie, but the killer was a parasitic twin attached to the back of some girl's head. She was like, <laughs> what in the world are you? <laughs> like, that is ridiculous. But I was like, no, but it was so good. You don't it get is, it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so good. Like, it sounds so dumb. And honestly, it is so dumb. But it's so dumb that it works. It does. I don't know why it didn't work for some people. I just, yeah, I'm like, this is so ridiculous. How can you it's not like, sit back reference. and enjoy this? I get the reference. And my thing is, is that... There are so many silly concepts in horror movies. And I think we talked about this in our last episode that we as a horror audiences are willing to accept the most ridiculous of plots. Right. So people being disappointed by this was so confusing to me. I was like, what? This is very like, this is like reanimator or this is like return of the living dead or like, you know, 80s movies like that that are like, mix of like science fiction horror but are full of just like practical schlocky effects and we love them but and and we loved them back then but for some reason some people were not given this movie the benefit of the doubt <laughs> like they're like no this is a new movie we don't do movies like that anymore we don't take those movies seriously like i wanted yeah. to take this movie and it's like Ugh. yeah it's almost like the references are maybe too far reaching. Sure. Is that, could that maybe. be like it? Maybe the soap opera trope didn't land as well as it did for us or maybe I just, I honestly, I don't get it. I think it is brilliant. Maybe I people, think it's it just, almost like a monster movie. Like you're saying, like it's just this yeah. eclectic mixed bag of so many things that as horror audiences, we love. Right. And, I can't believe people don't love this. (laughs) Yeah, that people were like turned off by this. But I mean, to each their own. If you don't, if you don't like it, then you don't like it. It's fine. I personally saw somebody ripping apart this next scene of the jail cell of like the jail cell scene. So ridiculous and da da da. I'm like, but you'll watch Halloween Kills and praise it. Like no, like this is this is great. I, I okay. The abilities of Gabriel are questionable. Are like being ridiculous. Able to punch your arm through a woman's torso, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's so this... good, and I love the the reveal of, <laughs> of Gabriel to these women and their reactions. Oh my god! Well, first of all, this this is like a women's prison movie. All of a sudden, no, we're we're adding another sort of layer layer subgenre, another subgenre: women in prison and. It's just these, and the way they look. Yes, they're they're like every sort of jail cell women trope. Just like drug addicts, prostitutes, Prost- 
um, bikers, uh, lesbians. Zoe Bell looks like Eileen Warnos. Yes. <laughs> and and then we have a woman who looks like she is Foxy Brown yes, or something. I'm like, telling you, like, she looks great. Everyone looks phenomenal. The costuming, is, yes. the stories they're telling just by sitting there is great. Yes, you, I mean, I saw this. I was like, oh, this is definitely like a reference to like old women in prison movies from the seventies, and then yes. it just turns full on cuckoo bananas when she begins ripping her skull open to reveal Gabriel (laughs) and all these women are like what the fuck and then just Gabriel goes ham and slaughters all of them I know and I loved the build up I loved their reactions to it like when they all were like oh shit she's having a seizure and they back up into the wall and they're like oh I didn't do it I didn't do it and then he starts to like come after them and they see his face and they're screaming and for me as an audience member it hyped me up to like watch him murder them I felt like I was was like oh my god I felt like it was like a sugar rush I felt I was like oh my god this is insane like I feel like it went from like zero to 100. So it didn't give me time to think of the logistics. I I didn't have time to think of like, this is ridiculous. All of a sudden I was just like, whoa, this is insane all of a sudden. And everything is happening so fast. And I was just like on the ride as opposed to like stopping the ride to be like, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. I was just there. I was here for the ride. It's very fast. It almost has that last episode type syndrome because it's like uh, Sydney watching them. I even love their reaction to seeing young Gabriel yeah. with the arms and everything when they, her and the mom see him on camera for the first time. Like, oh, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> is that a deck? Is that, uh, that a deck? <laughs> Or I thought of Cardi B, and she's like, what is that? What oh, yeah. is that? <laughs> it's just so, so crazy. And then we move into the precinct, which all of a sudden we go from women's in prison movie to a full, like, John Wick movie where this oh, motherfucker... Flips, dips. This is an action <sighs> movie where Gabriel is a supervillain just murdering the entire police like if you thought that that firefighter scene from halloween kills was insane this one tail in comparison yeah yes i can't wait to buy this blu-ray and watch the behind the scenes chaos yeah of this oh my gosh like and there's just so many crazy things that happen like you know detective moss and shaw they get involved in this and at one point like Gabriel picks up a chair and launches it at them from across the room and just like knocks them over. It's so silly, but it's so fun. It's so fun. And at this point, we know what Gabriel is, so they're not hiding it from us. No. And we, so we get uh, like these full on shots of like what it looks like to run with your arms backwards. Yes. And and then just seeing like what this like mask version of Madison asleep yeah. in the back. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh it's my God, so this funny. is a brilliant. If somebody can pull off this Halloween costume. Oh my I God. Can't I will. Wait. They they get a free shirt. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, honestly, who I cannot wait to see someone dressed up as this because you know it's coming. Somebody someone has, has to. put this together. Somebody has put Gabriel together. And if you are out there listening, you better send us a goddamn picture because I want to see it. 
I can't wait to see the woman's mask in the back. Yeah. Just asleep. I need I need the details. Like, if you're going to do Gabriel, I want to know the details. I want to see Madison back there under the hair. Yeah, I do. And I mm-hmm. want, yeah, I, I want two people to be this. <laughs> this is the costume of the year. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine two people wearing the same coat? Oh, my and God. A girl in the back and a boy, in, or, you know, whatever, whoever. <laughs> Couples in costume. Front, in the back, and just this enormous wig holding <laughs> their heads together. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. And so Gabriel escapes. He makes it to the hospital. He does some real fucked up shit where he fucks with this old man's pacemaker, and oh, I know he can. And makes it explode in his in his chest, which I was like, oh, that poor poor man. (laughs) Uh, That poor man. Say lovey. Say lovey. Um, (laughs) um, And then Serena waking up and bringing us back to these soap opera tropes. Oh my god! She's like, please forgive me, Gabriel. Yeah. Oh, my son. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, she's talking to a literal malignant tumor on the back of his like. She's like you know, talking to head. yeah, this parasitic <laughs> twin. Like she's having this beautiful moment where she's like claiming him as her son, and you're like, this is so <laughs> fucking batshit crazy. <laughs> um, I like this explanation that Sydney gives about Gabriel. The reason why the miscarriages were so important to the storyline were because Gabriel was feeding off of them. Like, yeah, it was giving him strength. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was coming back. I think her smashing her head on the wall was like his big reveal, but he was always planning on coming back. And, and it is kind of sad to know like, Oh, this woman could have had a normal life, but in the way she found out was, you know, or not found out, but, the way it was all starting was because she couldn't get pregnant because he was eating her babies from the inside. That is so creepy. But honestly, that is what happens with these parasitic twins. He's like, Oh yeah, bitch, you want to eat me in the womb? Watch this. I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat them. (laughs) Uh, The second one tasted quite delicious. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Oh my God. Yeah. Barbecue sauce. (laughs) (laughs) What I ate one. Okay. And then, (laughs) So, yeah, he's trying to see his plan through. Like, he couldn't kill Sydney before she was born. But now, 30 years later, he's going to really give it one last good shot (laughs) to kill her. And Madison is able to trick him into thinking he's killed her. Yeah. And Serena. That's That's how we give a shit about Serena. Yeah. But but. it is shocking when you see him blow Sydney's head off with a gun. You're like, oh, Oh my my God. God. I'm so sad when that happened. I was like, no. I was like, no. <laughs> and then, uh, gotcha so good. Turns out Miss Madison had a plan and that she flipped the script. She was able to find her inner strength and has this little like showdown with Gabriel in her mind. And this scene really reminds me, I don't know why, of a Lifetime movie. It's something about like the, mm-hmm. like, the fuzzy soft lighting and like the prison jail cell like scream four scream four looks like a lifetime movie. yes yeah it's fuzzy and glowy yeah and like she has this really powerful moment where she stands up to her oppressor and she locks yes. him in that jail cell and he's like no it just and i don't know it just seems it's so soap opery it's so funny <laughs> yes it's empowering to watch someone really be able to 
do what it takes right. to get their mind right. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's like I, like I said, it's like a Lifetime movie where you know the oppressed woman is rising up and defeating the male oppressor. You know, it, it's very much that, and it's just—I don't know—I think it just works brilliantly. It's great. It's great. The soap opera tropes are great. The evil twin <laughs> is here. Yeah. As we needed one more soap opera trope to really take us right. there. Oh, you know what I was gonna say? They in the in the movie they they show this sort of like electroshock therapy, and I was like, is that when he becomes able to control? Electric city, mm, maybe <laughs> electric city, electricity, electricity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe that that gave him power. He absorbed it. He can absorb nutrients. Why not electricity as well? <laughs> I'm I, I'm not and, sure that anus thing I, is possible in this. Anus thing is possible, and I <laughs> I I'm not sure that. I need an explanation as no. to how he's able to do this. I don't no. care. I, 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 I buy also, it. I also don't want a sequel. As much as I loved this movie, I don't want a sequel. I just want them to leave this a little horror gem. Yeah, for sure. I want them just to leave it be. And be like, James Wan, be like, I did this. And it's a little, a little, yeah, <laughs> diamond in the rough. And it'll probably be buried. And then somebody's going to rediscover it. And it's going to become a whole conversation later about how we didn't give it the what it deserved and I don't at know. all at all I, I i really hope that a lot of the people that felt they didn't like this movie in the beginning rewatch it and yeah really to give appreciate it, a, it give it a second chance Go, now that you know what it is try it one more time and be like oh you know what this is actually worthy of a little more recognition or maybe we've convinced you that this is actually a really great movie <laughs> Maybe we have. <laughs> we also okay, have power. So, <laughs> yes. Okay, what are your final thoughts on this? All right, my final thoughts. Um, as We said it a million times. I think this movie is campy, ridiculous, fun, out of its mind, cuckoo, banana, nutso, all of it. And I, love, I loved it. I thought it was so fun. I'll probably give it like a... A solid like four out of five. I think it's really fun, really exciting. Um, I, I I can honestly say I've never seen another movie like this, and that's very rare. Yeah, I have to say that I love. I really do enjoy this movie. It and coming out like I said, coming out of something like the COVID nineteen quarantine and just all this political trauma and all this medical drama that is just ensuing and ravaging our planet I have this is something that I really enjoyed watching because it was just there purely to entertain you yeah and I was so involved in the watch I was laughing I was trying to figure it out yeah and it's been a while because I mean even do I just watching horror movies for the past I don't know I was introduced to them in 1996 so whatever long ago that was 25 years ago like 26 um just watching (laughs) movies for the past the horror movies for the past 30 years i do find that like sometimes i'll watch a movie for this podcast and i'm sitting there literally with no emotion just going through the motions of the movie and not because i'm not enjoying it it's just because i'm expecting this uh, you know it's predictable i'm i I, you know i've seen it a hundred times but this was so fresh and imaginative and 
aesthetically pleasing. The sound design was great. Everything was just so well done. And even though it's so very eclectic and not everyone's going to understand the references, I did. And for that, I just thoroughly appreciate this film for what it is. And I think I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. Yes. I'm changing my answer. I'll give it a four and a half out of five, too. Right. A half point is just because sometimes it just feels maybe a little too 2000s action. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not totally sold that he has this amount of strength and electric (laughs) control. But but you know what? I don't care. It just takes away a little bit from the score for me. But... I, I really enjoyed this. I know people are going to hate us for giving Halloween Kills two stars and giving this four and a half. <laughs> but they did, they they both tried to achieve the same thing and one did it better than the other. Yeah. It's just a fact. And, and that's the gospel truth. Yes. Yes. Well, I guess that does it for Malignant. I guess we cut out the cancer. What? Cut out the cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Out of this one. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> thanks for sticking with us through this one. Um, really enjoyed talking about this today. Um, let's plug our social media before we go. Yes, uh, we have merch back in we have a st- our store is back up and running. It is live, ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between. No. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, uh, non-binary and all your parasitic twins. Yeah. Um, please go to fearthetalkingqueers.com slash store and you can find some really great things or some new things or some old things that you've already seen before. But all these beautiful little designs are available to you now once again at fearthetalkingqueers.com. Yes, 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 yes. And um, if it wasn't clear before, our Instagram is at Fear the Talking Queers, where we love to chit chat and, um, you know, talk with you guys about the movies we're doing, movies we're not doing. You know, just send us a message. We love to chat and uh, we'd love to say hi. And um, I think that wraps it up, bitch. Yeah, bitch. We are done. So until next time, sweet screams, bitch. Bye. 